Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by me, Nick Hewer, and Allianz. In this podcast, we look at global trends that will affect and shape business in the years to come. We assess their risks, but also look at the opportunities that could be available. We've already covered some fascinating topics, so if you missed them, you can download the episodes by subscribing now through your normal podcast app. And if you like the podcasts, please leave a review. In today's episode, we're focusing our attention on fraud. In 2016, insurers detected 125,000 dishonest insurance claims valued at £1.3 billion, according to the Association of British Insurers. But the insurance industry is fighting back. Earlier this year, Allianz announced they'd made record savings of nearly £63 million in their battle against insurance fraud. So what tricks are fraudsters using and what's being done to prevent it? Joining me today, we have Nick Kelsall, fraud manager at Allianz, Ben Fletcher, director of the Insurance Fraud Bureau, and finally Jenny Hemmings, the group risk and compliance director at the Broker Network. Nick, give us an idea of the types of fraud you're having to deal with at the moment. Uh, the fraud has changed um, and it's ever evolving. So five years ago, it's primarily motor, um, cash for crash uh, type fraud. Um, currently, we're seeing an evolving in what we call casualty fraud. So accidents at work, slips and trips on the pavements mm. um, and the likes. And what we need to start doing now is future proofing ourselves for emerging fraud around sort of cyber, um, what driverless cars might bring. Um, so it's ever evolving. That's interesting. So in a way, this this idea of uh, there was a famous roundabout in the north of England, I think, where it always seemed to be an accident two or three times a day. And everybody involved in the car in front suffered from whiplash. Um, but the game's up for those characters, isn't it? I think the insurance industry has evolved um, significantly uh, with technology and sharing data and information um, through IFED, uh, which Ben will talk about, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, we've moved, I wouldn't say past that, um, but that's probably more amateur fraud now. It's much more sophisticated now, more organised, um, and we're seeing um, different trends to that. I think we've not 100% won that battle, um, but we're very strong in that space. You're sort of onto it in a way. How big a problem is insurance fraud? How is it hurting you? Oh, well, it's, it's massive. Um, so as an industry, um, I think it's 1.3 billion, Ben, is that... that's 1.3 billion detected each year, we, we 2 estimate. billion potentially undetected. So yep. there's still some work to go. Um, at Alliance, we um, last year took the decision to publish our fraud savings. Um, it's the first time we've done that. So we saved over £62 million in fraud, which is a significant amount of money for our genuine customers. Um, and the reason we took that decision was that we wanted to um, be brave and, and, and forward-thinking and saying, look, this is a problem, we're tackling it, um, and it's something that we're, 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 we're proud to say that we're, we're winning the battle. That's good. And Ben, Director of the Insurance Fraud Bureau. So, in a way, you're, your organisation is funded by the insurance industry. You're keeping a close eye on the way fraud is moving, mm-hmm. you know, how it's developing. You know, perhaps some frauds are now sort of unsuccessful because you're onto them. So in other words, shifting sounds all the time. That's absolutely right. Um, I think the difficulty with this is is 
quite a lot of the time people think of fraud still as a problem that can be solved. Um, and it's the question I still get. I mean, the Insurance Fraud Bureau has been running for 12 years. And the question I still get quite often is, when is the fraud problem going to be solved? And that's the wrong question because fraud is not a problem that's going to be solved. Fraud's been around for hundreds of years. We're all trying to get an advantage in one way or another, some illegally, some legally. So we need as organisations to be thinking about fraud as a component part of our business, the same way as we would customer service. We don't think customer service is a problem that can be fixed. Fraud is part of the problem and part of our business model. So um, And that's the same for the fraudsters and the criminals on the other side. And we actually see trends and patterns. So, for example, these the crash for cash accidents that you hear about in the press early on they were what we'd called staged accidents which is where you'd get two cars and you'd purposely drive one into another on the road the industry got far better at detecting those uh, the fraudsters realized that that was more difficult and they realized that in actual fact if everybody is colluding that's a bit of a telltale sign so they then evolved their model which then became what we now call induced accidents where they take the car out onto the road and they target somebody who is nothing to do with them but they know is going to be somebody that's insured stamp their brakes on in front of them and force them to have a collision and then make a fake claim off the back of that um and then we used to see bus claims so people would staged accidents with buses because if you stage an accident with a car you get two or three people in a car if you stage an accident with a bus you get 50 people that can make claims for personal injury and it goes through in cycles so we saw an increase in bus claims and then we see a decrease and then you get a couple of years later you quite often get those trends and patterns come back again so um, it is a constantly evolving picture. Nick are these fraudsters getting more sophisticated and how are you stamping on them? Uh, I think the answer to that is is yes. Um, historically, I think fraud was committed by lone individuals, probably working out of a bar or you know coming up with some ideas down the pub. I think definitely now it's more organised, more sophisticated. We're seeing professionals enter the market, um, being led by sort of claims management companies um, that have got a, um, an interest in profiting from fraud. In terms of how Allianz um, are dealing with that. Um, there's two types of fraud in it really you've got what's called application fraud um, which is people at the point of buying a policy try and defraud the insurer um, by doing things like falsifying the value of their vehicle property um, even things like giving false occupations because it might lower the premium that is fraud Um, And then you've got what's called claim fraud. Um, And you've got claims fraud at the point of claim where either your customer is trying to defraud you having bought a policy from you. Um, But the more uh, prominent problem um, in the industry is what we call third-party fraud. So this is somebody that you don't contract with. You've never had a relationship with at all. They're not a customer of yours, um, but your customer has either injured them or had an accident with them or been involved somewhere and that represents about 75 percent of the total savings for alliance in terms of the, the identification and money um, how alliance deal with that in terms of application we've got very rich data um, and we work with our broker network as well to support how we um, what customers we want on our book of business in terms of claims again it comes down to data, technology, um, identifying some fraud flags working with the IFB um, and the the new hub um, and sharing data as an industry. Um, But what that will inevitably give you is um, just a flag. It will give you an indication that this has got the potential to be fraudulent. Mm. What you then need to tackle 
the fraud um, is really good, well-trained staff and people um, that are dedicated because you need to turn that flag into evidence and you need to gather evidence to support that that person or that third party is a fraudster um, because ultimately the test lies with the court and it's a high bar it's a high bar for us to sort of prove that somebody's been fundamentally dishonest in front of a judge. Jenny, your um, broker, broker network, is made up of all those smaller independent brokers. And how are they affected now by this... uh um, I, I think I, I think brokers are, are massively impacted by fraud. Um, th- there's the obvious implications that say if a broker's um, um, implicated or, or has um, connections with fraudulent clients, and that can often reflect very badly on them. So I think it can affect insurer relationships. I think that for small community brokers, the tarnish of fraud or the connection with fraud can be catastrophic for some smaller businesses. Um, there are a number of frauds that I think specifically impact brokers, ghost broking uh, being um, a significant one that's that's quite topical at the moment. Um, and, and I almost almost don't want to call it ghost broking because to suggest that there's broking here for me um, is just not the case. These these people are uh, targeting vulnerable customers. Um, and what concerns me about that is the, the taste that that leaves. Um, and, uh, you know, p- potentially these customers, it's their first experience of buying insurance. Just explain... Ghost broker then. Just. So, go, so ghost brokers will typically be holding themselves out to be insurance brokers, holding themselves out to be intermediaries. But actually, what they're doing is they're either obtaining terms for insurance illegitimately because they're lying on application forms, um, and the customer has no knowledge of this. So they're tampering with um, real information that customers have provided. And in some circumstances, they're they're actually issuing completely fraudulent uh, policies out to mm. uh, to policyholders. And and I think that if you've been targeted by this type of individual, you'll probably have a very negative perception of brokers, intermediaries and perhaps insurance in general. So I think that's that's a big issue for brokers and something that um, something that we know will impact our our reputation. How much support are your members getting? I think that um, so. I think there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot being done in terms of general awareness from insurers and and task forces, and and we can see that coming across in general awareness, training, um, sharing of general case study information. I, I think where there's still a gap is that. Um, that real data sharing that doesn't quite quite find its way to brokers, that statistical analysis that might help brokers to be able to uh, to analyse their own books of business, to identify hotspots in their own target markets. Um, and I think that in turn would help brokers to, um, d- you know, to, to really raise their game in terms of the fraud prevention and detection fight. But there is a an important role there for brokers, Absolutely. which they're meeting head on. Yeah. Yeah. I think brokers have um, brokers have very specific relationships with their customers and they're obviously perfectly placed because of that to identify triggers and unusual behaviours. Um, and, I, and I think that's the obvious link to where brokers um, play an important part in fraud detection. But prevention is obviously better than cure. And I think where, where brokers add real value is um, that 
that their relationship with their customers and their understanding of a customer's needs to ensure that customers are well informed about the products they're purchasing. Um, and if you have the right level of cover and you are far less likely to be an accidental fraudster that finds themselves making a claim, um, a fraudulent claim, not because you've set out to do that uh, but because actually you are a vulnerable customer that's found yourself in a difficult situation and made a really bad choice so I think where brokers can add value is is to continue to focus on customer communications and making sure that customers are well informed with their insurance purchasing decisions. Sure but data sharing data are you guys happy that it's being shared widely enough? It's one of those questions, isn't it? It's like, uh, are we doing enough to tackle fraud generally? Mm. Ultimately, the same as with police. Are police doing enough to stop crime? All the time you've still got a problem out there, the answer probably has to be no. Um, the industry has taken massive steps forward in, in the last X number of years. Um, I mean, the creation of the IFB, as an example, in years gone by, insurers would have shared information relatively informally with one another. Um, however, the creation of the IFB and sharing all the claims and policy data to try to help specifically identify these problems is one example. The IFB have a, an access, so if brokers want to become members of the IFB, they can do that. So they have a route to get access to the same data as insurers have. Um, one of the challenges is the operating model and how brokers work and whether they've got the systems and the infrastructure to be able to cope with that. So I think one of the things brokers need to think about for the future is how the same as insurers over the last few years have realised that in order to help identify and prevent fraud, they need a number of different controls. They need people with the right skills, they need systems, they need information, they need data, they need intelligence. I think the same goes for brokers. Obviously, the systems and controls will be slightly different, but they need to have those same systems and controls in place. So I think we've made some really great progress on data sharing, um, but I do think there is more that can be done. Um, and as Jenny mentioned there, brokers are often the front line and they will have information quite often that insurers may not have. So they've got a really important role to play. I was the subject of a hit and run, which wrote my vehicle off. Um, sadly, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have my uh, dash cam fitted at the time. I have now. And that's got to be quite a, quite a help uh, you know, to witness what's going on in front of you and behind you. There's lots of things people can do to help themselves. Um, dash cams, black boxes, these are all things that, 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 can, that, that can help with, with motor fraud. Um, just even simple things like taking photographs after the accident, gathering as much information as you can, um, counting the passengers in the vehicle. You know, we see phantom passengers where you'll have an accident with somebody, um, might be one or two people in, involved in the accident, but you'll get five claims. But I think there's a, there's a fundamental problem with, with society, thinking that insurance fraud isn't a crime, um, and the fact is that it is. Um, and we're working with the IFB and the ABI um, to try and drive the fact that, that, that society needs to accept that insurance fraud is a crime <clears throat> and we need to drive, um, bang that drum a little bit more as an industry, I feel. How do we do that, Jenny? Um, I'd link back to uh, the strength of broker relationships again, because I think that that is a key area where we can start to educate um, our policyholders on fraud. So one of the things for me in terms of how we turn that table is that what 
what we don't actually see at the moment, or I, I don't think what customers realise at the moment, is the direct financial impact that fraud has to them. So they see insurance premiums rise, but they don't make a direct correlation between that rise of insurance premium and, and the fraud itself. And I think brokers being at the first line again should be educating customers more when there are kickbacks around premium increases to be explaining that fraud is part of that. Um, and I think that that helps us to change the perception. Once, when you actually feel directly affected by something, then you will clearly change your perceptions in that. Which sectors of the um, industry are most likely to be impacted as uh, there are new technologies coming on? Where is it? Yeah, and I think I think we will see a rise in, in commercial frauds. They tend to be more personal at the moment and they tend to be individual-based. But I think um, as fraudsters... Um, do their homework and gain more experience, then they will start to be focused in more commercial areas. Uh, one area that I think makes it really easier for, for fraudsters to kind of connect and reach out with people is the rise of social media and online uh, forums that make people available to fraudsters that wouldn't necessarily have been available to them 10 to 15 years ago. And I think that in in turn will start to increase and affect the number of frauds that we see across a, a wider range of areas. Um, it's very easy with these forums to gain trust um, and, and to and and with the pu- the public perception the way that it is at the moment that actually to defraud on insurance or the odd insurance claim is okay and it's not really hurting anyone. Um, I, I think kind of leaves um, a, a problem with with society as a whole, and I think public awareness is really important to that. Where do we stand? I wonder if anybody knows the answer. Internationally, as a society, are we more honest, less honest? Oh, I, I can touch on that. So um, Alliance operates in over 70 countries um, and we're part of Alliance Group and we're number one in the UK in terms of savings, fraud identification, okay. fraud volumes, um, closely followed by Germany and then Australia. So um, it is moving um, and uh, the, 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 there is a, um, a, a trend tra- transformation. So um, interestingly, um, in... Um, the Netherlands and Belgium yeah. um, area, um, you're more likely to suffer whiplash if you're French-speaking than if you're Dutch-speaking, although you live in the same country. So, again, it comes down to this society perception that it's okay culturally um, to claim, and and, 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 and that's, that's ultimately where we're at. Um, at Alliance, we're quite fortunate in a sense that we are able to share information between... What Germany seen, what UK seen, what Australia seen, what Italy seen, um, and then patterns are emerging and transferring all the time. What's coming down the track to terrify the insurance companies? <laughs> What's the next big fraud? Um, casualty, so strips and slips, and um, employers' liability. We're seeing a, an increase in the uh, fraud in that space in terms of volume. I think we're moving away from motor. Um, I think where the I say it's exciting, um, but it, it keeps us busy, I guess, in, in terms of thinking what's next is around cyber, mm. um, keeping data safe. Are we going to see, um, off the back of GDPR, um, people trying to steal data and holding people to ransom over that, that given the, the, the significant financial implications? And I think the, um, the interesting bit now for me is um, what happens with driverless cars. 
So you've got potential first-party fraud there, um, where they're potentially driving vehicles in driverless mode on roads they shouldn't. And how do we identify that? That's fraud if they pursue a claim along that basis. And do have we got access to the data that these vehicles are carrying to enable us to, to um, identify that? And also, if you haven't got a drive behind the wheel, what next? Potentially, fraudsters can drive driverless cars into victims without being in the vehicle at all. And we need to start thinking about what the future looks like in that space. We need to start working with our brokers to understand what they want us to sell. Do they want us to sell negligence, which is the only thing we write for at the moment, or do we want them to sell misuse? Um, and we need to work together to understand as an industry what the brokers want us to sell, and then we need to, once we're selling that product, um, almost start thinking like fraudsters and say, well, how will they defraud us in the future? Yeah. Working together around that space. Thank you so much. That brings this episode to an end. So my thanks to Nick Kelsall, fraud manager at Alliance. Ben Fletcher, Director, Insurance Fraud Bureau, and finally Jenny Hemmings, Group Risk and Compliance Director at the Broker Network. Please do subscribe to the podcast through your podcast app. That way, you'll be sure of never missing an episode, and we'd really appreciate you leaving us a review too. We'll be back to explore another major global trend in the next episode of tomorrow. In the meantime, from me, Nick Hewer, it's goodbye.